Today's Trout Show is sponsored by David Smith of Edward Jones. David helps people achieve their goals and make sense of investing and be treated like the individual you are. David stays focused on what's most important. That's you. So call David now at 469-372-1587 for complete details. That's 469-372-1587. David Smith with Edward Jones. There's this consensus among the music community that it's getting harder than ever to, to make and sell originally made music. Conventional wisdom is pointing the finger at streaming services like Spotify and Apple Music for cutting the cash flow to us musicians. But the thing that I don't get is if people have access to these amazing music libraries, why is it that small music venues right now are struggling to stay open? And why is it that the audiences who do come to concerts are less engaged than ever? The amount of people I see on their phones when I'm on stage is crazy. And why is it that the audience's average age seems to be increasing? In other words, the younger generations are not coming out to support live music. Hey everybody, it's a Trout. Hope you're having a great day. That information you just got to hearing was a gentleman that was at a TED talking about the state of the music business as it is now. Things have well, they've changed a lot since I was a kid. And if you wanted to be a professional musician back then, and you were in a rock business, you wanted to give us some guys, you started playing gigs around your town, then maybe around your county, then around your state. And if you're really good at writing music, a record label executive would come hear you and sign you to a contract. Then you'd go in the studio. And then if you were really lucky, your music would be on the radio. And if you were extremely lucky, you'd sell a lot of records. You sold a million records, you got a big old check. But that's changed now. Now it's streaming. Very few people download music. They just stream it. So because of that, musicians don't get paid very much. In fact, if you do a million streams, that means a million times your song is played, typical artists will make less than $2,000. If you sold a million records years ago, that check was huge. So... To be a musician nowadays, you can be a great musician, but you got to understand the business of music. You have the business, you have the education, you have the artist development, and you have technology. That's called beat, which most creative people dance to their own, which is their own beat. So today I have a person that knows about the business of music. Her name is Jessica. She's the founder and CEO of Nesco Music. She helps musicians, no matter what their genre they play and no matter what their professional level is, learn more about how to become better musicians, but how to understand the business and how to get more people to listen to you and then get a job playing music and not just a day job, but playing professionally all the time. Jessica is a wealth of knowledge and she shares some of that in our video today. So up next, Jessica from Nesco Music talking about the business of music and how to become a better business person and also how to make a living at being a professional musician. That's next on The Trout Show.
So I'm looking at your um, information on your website, mm -hmm. and I will be quite honest with you. I don't think I've talked to anybody that has the detailed background. I mean, I've talked to some great musicians and all that stuff, and I tend to like to talk to up-and-coming people because uh, they seem to be um, – they have the drive. It's fun to talk and listen to people that are mm. driven to be successful and, and they're on their way. So I look at yours and I'm seeing people like Alan. I mean, all, all these people I know I've seen before <laughs> and I'm going, she's hanging out with these people. Why? Why does she get to hang out with those people? You know, Alan Parsons and you got, uh, what's your face? Uh, the actress, Kristen Bell. And I'm going like, and then there were some other people I'm going like, those are all people I'd like to meet. And just because I like to meet him. Well, I, Alan Parsons has always been, I've always been a fan of his music for a long time. So, so what brings you to, I mean, you started out, I mean, obviously you grew up in Miami. I assume you were born in Miami. Okay. Yes. Then you went to college in Vermont, which I thought was kind of an interesting <laughs> thing. How, how did that happen? Well, I went to, I went to University of Miami for school of music okay. uh, for, for my undergrad. Um, I did percussion performance there. And this kind of is a story that what led up to my company um, and I think how it all connected, which led me here to UNT. So, you know, I did percussion performance. I love no, it. it I hate to interrupt you, but what does that mean? I mean, I know what percussion is. but So what it's you... like <laughs> percussion <laughs> performance is, you know, it's an instrumental performance degree is a bachelor's of music, but it's basically you eat, sleep, breathe your instrument. It's you learn everything about your instrument so you can get a job either in an orchestra or yeah. a studio musician or work at, you know, freelance. Um, so I thought as a young 16 year old uh, that this is what I wanted to do. I wanted to be a performer um, because I, I also have to think of where we are positioned and where we grow up. You know, those are those influences that kind of mm -hmm. help with our decision-making. Um, but uh, I went to Title I schools, so this is just very low-income schools okay. and urban schools. I was going to ask you what that is over yeah. there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's um, you know, the resources you get there are not the same as, like, you know, a, a wealthier neighborhood or things like that. But, um, you know, that didn't really – you're not thinking about that as a kid because you just want to play. Yeah. But um, what you're taught – what is assumed is that a music career is either you perform or you teach. And right. um, I started learning as I got older that that wasn't the case. And so when I got to University of Miami, I remember my second year, I was like, I can be a media composer? Wait a minute, I could be a producer? Wait. <laughs> so I was like, I wanted to do all these things. And then my advisor, uh, he was great. He was like, look, just finish out the degree and then go do it for grad school. And I said, right. okay, fine. Yep. Um, so I went to Vermont College of Fine Arts because I was um, – I'd gotten married and my husband and I, we were in transition of moving uh, back to Miami from North Carolina where he was stationed. He was in the military. And um, it was difficult because we couldn't pick up and move to another state. And Vermont College of Fine Arts offers uh, one of three low residency programs, I think, in the country. Mm. And um, they offer an MFA, which is really, really uh, cool to see for music composition. So that's why I went to Vermont. So I would go up to Vermont every semester for a week. You basically get like just hounded with lectures 24 mm seven -hmm. for that time, mm -hmm. but it's great community uh, composition things. So I, there I was able to study scoring for media and um, jazz composition were my two concentration areas. And even when I was there, I was learning like 
more about music tech. And I was like, this is so cool. Oh my gosh, there's all these other careers I can do too and all this. <laughs> but no one really focused on the business side of it Mm-mm. and how to really market myself mm-hmm. and find the work. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of caught with this. I'm learning about these careers, but I'm not really knowing how to actually pursue them, you know, and 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 get gainful employment from it. Right. So um, then the rest was kind of me just reading a ton of books about the industry. But then I also learned that... Uh, I had, I had bad deals and that kind of burned me, thankfully not for life, but it was one of those where, man, I shouldn't have signed that. I should have negotiated this. I should have done this. And so I was like, well, I don't want other people to learn the way I did. Um, I'm a social butterfly, so I can talk to a complete stranger. And my mind is like, if I ask you something and you tell me the answer is no, I'm, that's the worst that could happen. I'm like, okay, whatever. So, um, I started going to conferences, but in order to pay for my education in the conference sector, you know, I had to work. So I worked as a music teacher in middle school at a Title I school back in Miami for a while. Wow. And I was like, I need to just go and and that's what's going to help pay to, so I can learn everything I need to learn. So fast forward, um, got my business going and it really took off, um, I would say, you know, when we were kind of already midway into COVID because now you had classical musicians or just any musician really mm-hmm. but they can't perform live anymore Mm-mm. but because they come out of the same curriculum that i came out of which mm. is you're not taught music business Mm-mm. in a performance degree or any degree almost um then they're like how do i market my how do i put my stuff mm. out there how do i learn tech so my company is really what the beat stands for is business education artist development technology oh, i was going to ask you that so i think yeah, yeah. So those are the four pillars for a sustainable music career. And because we had more time on our hands during COVID, I was able to send out a lot of surveys to musicians and say, what is it that you wish you would have learned in your undergraduate or graduate years? And, or even if you didn't go to college, what is it that you wish you would have learned early on? And that helped me develop these pillars. And so uh, the most requested pillar was technology during COVID and then artist development. Um, business also came along because people would pay to like, Hey, I I don't know what I should look for. And I always say, I'm not an attorney. I can pinpoint you in the right direction or at least point you to an attorney, um, to do that. But there's some basic jargon that anyone can really understand. Mm -hmm. So if they get their foundations with that, they're good. So I've seen me, you know, clients who work with me go from no tech at all to now like putting on good recorded virtual choirs and, you know, doing the editing and mixing and stuff like that. And so they feel the sense of, you know, fulfillment as well, because they're like, I have a whole new income stream now that I can uh, work in when it comes to tech, because I have a little recording studio in my house and I can send out stuff. And so that's kind of the evolution of of all of this was just my bad experiences (laughs) and what I've learned. And I said, I don't want people to to go, you know, suffer what I suffered for. So I think with all that, you know, it ended up with a music business position here at UNT. So who was your influence at the, at your, you said your ripe old age of 16, who was your musical influences then? Um, You know, I was, it was kind of split because my, my parents, they both came from uh, Cuba and Puerto Rico. And, um, but my dad, I would have to say he would play a lot of Tower of Power and a lot of Santana. Okay. So he raised me right. <laughs> <laughs> I 
every once in a while, Black Sabbath will sneak in. Oh, okay. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. And then a lot of so music. So, is he a musician? Either one of your parents no. musicians? No, you're the one. No. And how big? How big's your family? I just have an older brother. Okay. Um, and he he played trumpet in high school it yeah, was when yeah, I was yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know how that goes. All the kids play something. <laughs> except me. I play guitar and I couldn't get the chord long enough to play in the marching band. So, you know, I think one of the things, though, and what really intrigued me about you is I did look up your business and all that stuff. And I think the problem most people have, and it's changed a lot because there's a couple of things in my mind that goes through people like you and me, okay? And you're different than me because you're probably more analytical. Creative people are not analytical. We're not. I mean, I'm lucky I have a business mind, too. But most very creative people... That doesn't work their way that, you know, their mind doesn't think that way. So they don't. And, and you know, the past rock and roll history is littered with people that got taken by their managers or like you said, mm-hmm. I signed a bad deal. And, 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 and I think part of it is they get so engrossed and I want to play my music. I want to play and here sign this. Okay, good. What am I only getting 5% then? And, you know, there's all these mm-hmm. stories about them. And so you're dealing with that. And, and the other thing is occasionally if somebody comes to me, especially a younger person that says, you know, I really want to get into it. And I go, remember, it's it's the business of music. It's not the music. Business. So I said, if yeah. you don't don't sell anything or you don't do anything, mm-hmm. they don't keep you around. So in your business, is it mostly I, I would assume by now it's not. But I is you kind of lean toward the classical type musician. Or is that what comes? Oh, into no. My- Okay. Um, it's just, that was just the highest type of musician, okay. the highest number that came when it came to clients. No, I've worked with, with jazz vocalists. Um, okay. I've worked with DJs, oh, wow. um, uh, pop artists. Like they just ask, you know, they're, it's funny you were talking about the marketing side because I think most of us could agree. I think study came out. It was like, it's 20% music making 80% marketing. Yeah. And, um, uh, when I was still in Florida, um, I did have, um, a few old students that they would, they were asking me out cause we were talking about work for hire and they really didn't understand what that meant. And mm-hmm. then they, <laughs> a few of them kind of freaked out. They were like, Oh my gosh, I think I signed something that I signed my rights away, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, well, go find it and, and let's see, you know, and then we would review it. And thankfully through like kind of a loophole, we were able to get out of one mm. bad deal. And, you know, that that hurts me the most because when you have a 18, 19 year old who they're just getting started yeah. and it's like they put a lot of work into their project. It's like you want them to to succeed. True, um, sometimes I get there's things that I can't, you know, do like help at the moment, but I'm I'm in the position of service. That's how I see myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think even with networking, we have to approach it that way. But, um, you know, I was talking with this individual for right. this DJ and he was saying that he's trying to get him to the United States. Um, and he said, I'm trying to get him to Miami. And he reached out on LinkedIn. Anyone who's listening, beef up your LinkedIn, make it professional. <laughs> There's a lot mm. of work and connections there. Yes, there um, are. So uh, he reached out. We talked and I said, listen, I'm not in Miami anymore, but I can connect you with someone who is. And um, so you know, made that connection there for a DJ in Fort Lauderdale who knew this DJ by name. Oh, wow. Said, hey, said, hey, this is an opportunity for great collaboration. And so don't mess it up, <laughs> you know. And um, 
yeah, you know, so they talked and I mean, I don't know what's happening from there on out, but it, it's this, um, you know, it's like, look, if I can't help you, I'm going to find somebody who can, you know, because See, I think that, it's, that's, it's, that's the key right there. Yeah. And, and the thing that I do with people and you do too, is that you connect people. Your job is to help people. Yes. You want to help them in their business mm -hmm. world, but you connect them. And if you're in creative arts and standing in front of people singing or playing, you got to get over any kind of anxiety, get talking to people. Cause that's what you, mm -hmm. I mean, standing in front of thousands of people singing and that's, you know, and then, but I think I, I love what you do because the fact that most people, it's like we talk about school. Um, you know, kids now, they still don't know. Nobody knows how to write a resume. Nobody knows how to do a checkbook. Mm -hmm. They still don't teach stuff like that, which is basic knowledge and how to get along in the world. And so you started your business. How did you get, did you know enough people in, in the trades that you could get enough clients? I mean, you're kind of, you're kind of like starting out just like me putting out a record on Spotify. You're still like a gazillion people out there. So how did you find them? So it, it started with, um, I, I still believe, um, and it, this was told to me and at first I was skeptical, but it's true. Uh, number one way to get business is still word of mouth. Mm -hmm. Um, cause I, I've tried the social social media game and yes it's mm -hmm. it's helpful but you don't have to be on every platform mm -hmm. like you just need to be strategic on where your audience lives mine are honestly it's facebook and linkedin um i do have younger clients reach out on instagram but not as much as you know the other two platforms because and i don't have a tiktok um i don't either and yeah and then it's just one of these things where, well, if I'm on Instagram and I'm putting out things, which every once in a while I still do, um, but I dedicated a good almost a year and a half just trying to get like Instagram going and I wasn't getting the clients that I thought. But then next thing I know, I'll get a client send me an email saying so-and-so said to talk to you. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I've gotten uh, opportunities like paint like one day, two day client events right. for like other major universities. And that wasn't through Instagram at all. No, that no. was through word of mouth. So I kind of backed off on the Instagram a bit, but um, I tell my clients and I tell my students uh, here at UNT and, and it's just, you really need to dig to see where your client base lives. Because if I'm on Instagram or TikTok, I need to target mom and dad because they're going to be the ones paying for the client services. Where do mom and dad live? You know, probably on Facebook or link, you know, or that That's or true. music educators. And so, you know, you yeah. kind of have to figure it out based on your, your client base, you know, right. your audience. So, um, I get, a, yeah, word of mouth. Um, really, I didn't have a, a lot of people in the beginning to really just say, Hey, do this, do that. It was more of, um, I had one, uh, person at my last job, my last institution, he was already retired. And he was like, Hey, have you heard of the college music society? I said, no. And he goes, you should get in on that. I respected the man. So I was like, you know what, if he says it, I'm going to do it, but right. I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Right. Sign up, joined it. And then it was NAM show opportunities to speak mm. at NAM. They were doing a call for speakers and a couple and then of people I was show like, up to those, don't they? Yeah. Just a few. <laughs> a few. And then I was like, man, 
I've never been to Nam, but I always wanted to go. And if this would be a way to get there, then sure. So I just kind of said, what the heck? Let me put a proposal together. It had to do with like music licensing. Sure, yeah. And um, got my first speaking engagement at Nam, And then that, my network spread at that point. And then next thing you know, three Nam shows later, still doing a talk. And network continues to grow, to grow, to grow. And then I've had uh, met other music educators says, hey, can you talk to our students at this university and this university? So then that spreads the network because then you have individual students later on who say, I want to work with you beyond, you know, that. And I do my best to take every client that comes along. I mean, but I also want to be respectful for what it is that they do. I have a very high expectation when it comes to discipline when working with the client it's i try to use the metaphor of like if you go to the gym even if you go once a week you go once a week you don't go one day and then not go for three weeks and you know so there's a discipline that has to be with it and if they can't commit to that i don't want to take their money because i value my time more than money i can always find other ways to make more money but i can't make more time and that was well, I was just going to ask you, what classes do you teach at a UNT? This semester, I'm teaching uh, music entrepreneurship, business and entrepreneurship. Tell me and what then that's te- about. Tell me what that's it's about. It's really just like foundations of the music business and um, approaching it from an entrepreneurial perspective. So um, not necessarily if you want to start your own business, but it's teaching these students that the minute you sell your music, even for, or you make any money off of your music, it's a business now mm-hmm. and you need to know how to handle it. So you don't need, you know, this, this idea of like, oh, I need to get a whole business degree and stuff like, which obviously I'd like that. Come to UNT, get a graduate, get an MBA <laughs> with us, <laughs> you know, get my, yeah. but, but the idea is you have to have a respect for that side of the industry. And, and then here's the thing. If you don't want to be the one handling all that, then you need to have good networking skills to have people who will handle it for you. Um, At least you'll so understand. Have, At least you'll understand. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And then the other one is uh, performing arts management and arts leadership. So people who want to work in like maybe the nonprofit sector. Okay. Um, how does it, uh, what's it like to be an executive director and work in development and raising funds for your organization? Uh-huh. I'm all about what, what's happening now in the mm-hmm. music industry. We can talk about what has happened and that's important. And, you know, but l- let's take, you know, just contracts and copyright, like the Mut- Music Modernization Act, like everything happens so quickly by the time we print out a textbook, sometimes, you oh, know, yeah. it's already outdated information. Yeah. So, um, and I'm big on experiential education. Like I, I believe my students should be out there experiencing and talking to other people. I'm just one person. Um, I'm a, I consider myself a lifelong learner. I'm going to constantly be educating myself all the time, but it, there's so many other great voices out there that can go. You just told me now you have a background in nonprofit. Hey, this is a good resource. <laughs> like you're bringing a perspective because you yeah. worked it. You and know, I'm a musician. There. I can tell. Yeah, and a musician. <laughs> so And I and so, I'm a I'm a BMI guy, so I'm licensed in a BMI. So it's kinda oh, like, I, I, I put BMI that on my too. stuff because I know people that know anything about it because most people don't understand that anyway. Mm-hmm. Licensing. Right, but you know yeah. T- yeah, to go back to the question about the artist here. So um, you know, I was in high school drumline. Um I'm a percussionist, right? You right, know, so right, I marched yeah, yeah. there in high school and then you know, you get all these 
these like drumsticks that would come out by this artist and this and Scott Johnson and Paul Rennick and all that. And then, and then I come here and my office right across the way is Paul Rennick. <laughs> it's like, oh my gosh, like in high school, we're like, oh, these, he's so cool. Look at that Santa Clara Vanguard. Yeah. And he's like right there, right across for me. So it's and, pretty and you surreal know What's sometimes. funny about that is, and I tell people this all the time, it's like, when you meet people that you really look up to, sometimes I've always said this, sometimes I don't want to meet them because you might find out they are not the nicest or whatever they are, <laughs> you know, or you find out what you go to the grocery store. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah, I'm just like you, except I'm this person. You're what you do is very important to musicians. I don't care if they've been at five minutes or five years or f like me, 50 years. Mm -hmm. It's still important to know what's going on. I, I be quite frank, I can't keep up with it. I mean, I follow some trade mm -hmm. magazines and I talk to, you know, I read stuff about it, but trying to figure out, and, and the other part of it, the reason I got started doing this is because, look, I still do music. My album, new album comes out October 1st. I love doing it. I want people to hear it, but I'm not going to make any money doing it. I mean, maybe somebody will buy a song, you know, but if they do that, oh, well, look, I bought a song and, you know, and it's like, you know, it's okay. But just trying to figure out, and I wish, and, and that's what's kind of cool about you is, you know, and you're trying to tell people what, <clears throat> there is no right path, as you know, as a musician or any creative arts mm -hmm. person. You may be discovered and you may never be discovered no matter what happens. But the other part of it, I think you probably, I bet you instill some people, you don't have to be, and a lot of people don't, you don't have to be famous to do what you want to do. Right. Yeah. That's something I never had the desire to like be the spotlight musician. Uh, and, I, you know, you're a drummer too. So you're in the yeah, back. You're in the back. You're um, you know, but then I also learned that the industry, there's a lot of opportunities. Well, you think there are opportunities and then you realize that um, there's certain structures that you just can't do because that's the structure mm -hmm. of the company. Um you know, I've auditioned for things before, or I wanted to audition for things before. And I remember I didn't meet a height requirement. <laughs> so, you know, but you know, you can't, I guess you were you too know, tall, I right? <laughs> no, I, 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 I'm five, six, you know, I'm pretty, well, you're still burger, pretty, but, that's average pretty yeah, good. I didn't meet a height requirement. Oh, and wow. then, you know, but at the same time, I couldn't never be a rocket either. <laughs> you know, I don't meet a height requirement, <laughs> but you know, so in organization in business, I think, if, if we can, I try and tell my clients and students, like, you got to be open minded because you don't, you think you know what you want one point in your life. And then you realize that's not what I wanted or that you need one income stream, only one thing. This is what's going to make your money. It's like, no, you, you got to have this portfolio career mentality now. It's like, do you can do a little bit of everything under the umbrella of music um, or music related industries. I think I've gotten more work in one time period um in theater straight oh, wow. plays yeah um you know doing like transition music small clips for transition you know but if somebody would have told me that 10 years ago you're gonna be a composer for the i would have been like i don't i don't see it straight plays maybe a musical but straight plays. yeah and then you start realizing all these other opportunities during covid i had a business uh like a, a guy who owned a company who he does his business training and he was like, I can't do the training live anymore. I need to now make like mm -hmm. videos and virtual testing, but I mm -hmm. want to add music to it. Okay. So it was, 
It was specifically creating music for the quiz portion of the video. So when people, you know, no, like I, very, I, under, I understand that. I mean, I yeah. see stuff on Upwork that I check out every once in a while, mm -hmm. and I just say, you know, I had some one the other day. I need my husband turning. He wants a birthday. I'll give you three hundred bucks. You know, I wasn't doing it because mm -hmm. it's had 50 mm -hmm. other people said, you know, and I told my wife, sometimes I'm just going to say I'll do it for free just to see if I can get anybody to do it. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you about your, equipment, uh, your company. So mm -hmm. I see you and I, oh, she's Jessica. Oh, I like to talk to her. I pick up the phone or like you say, let's mm -hmm. set up a, a meeting. Tell me what that's like. I'm I'm a I'm a musician. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. Yeah. I pick up the phone and talk to you, or we do something online mm -hmm. or whatever. What happens? I want to know as much as I can about you first before I talk about me. Um, and then I always ask the question at the end: If you can wave a wand, magic wand, what it before. is you want to do? Yeah. I mean, it's a serious question because it is a serious we, question. And then I have clients who take way too long to answer it, and I'm yeah. like, nope. You're not, you're, you're already thinking about the finance part of it, how you're going to survive. I go, no, 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 no. Yep. Just say it like a word vomit, let it out. Um, and then from there you start picking and realizing what it is that they really want to do. Even at that point in their life, not that I want to do forever, but at that moment in their life, there, there's something that's driving them to want to, you know, work with me and just right. say, and it's not even that it's me. It's just the service that I'm providing is, these resources that can help you get that either gainful employment in the area of tech or a new financial opportunity in sync licensing. And, you know, it just things like that. So when the calls are usually about 30 minutes, but if I see that a client is like really going, they're like just pouring everything out, you know, I'm like going to talk to you for an hour. I don't want to cut you off. Um, and so we kind of figure that out. And then I explain to them again, the, the discipline side of it. I'm not going to bombard you with homework but I am going to be your accountability partner. So I am going to be on top of you in the sense of what'd you get done this week? How's it going? Mm -hmm. Do you need anything? You know, so there's a, there's an open line of communication that they have with me during the time that they're working with me. I mean, they can reach out to me after they're done. I still have clients who who've come back for like second, third rounds. Um, but it's, it's really, you already know enough about me by my site or or maybe through word of mouth right that i don't need to talk about me on the call no 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 I it's about to, getting yeah. get yeah. and i would assume i hate to use that word that there are people you don't want as clients no matter how much money they want to <laughs> give you i mean you know they're probably like you just said mm -hmm. i and i and i learned this from my boss one time years mm -hmm. ago he said when you enter and i was a big company he said we will ask you about the kind of question you just ask. I ask that question all the time. If you could mm -hmm. wave a wand, what would you do? And when I interviewed people, and I interviewed a lot of people for jobs, mm -hmm. I'd always ask him, because people never tell you what they think, they're gonna start thinking about what you wanna hear. Mm -hmm. So I would say, "Who do you have a best friend? Oh yeah, Jessica's my best friend. Well, what would she say about you? And then they, they start elaborating about what their friend would say about you, them when mm -hmm. they're actually telling you about themselves, but they wouldn't do that that way. Right. But he, my boss one time said, it's not what you say, it's how quick you say it. Just like what you said a while ago. Mm -hmm. In other words, if you sit around, have you talked to your wife about this? Well, you know, and then there's this long mm -hmm. delay. You're like, okay, well, you know, and, and so I, I understand that completely because mm -hmm. you're, it, you said it earlier, your time is valuable. Mm -hmm. 
you know, and they're paying for what you got up here and your connections. Mm -hmm. And and the other thing is people don't understand. They they want, I think, a lot of people just want to pass over all the detail. I, if, what, usually when I talk to newer performers, I always ask them, have you got your music copyrighted yet? Well, I'm going to put an envelope and mail it to myself. No. <laughs> no, that's not what you want to do. Well, doesn't that work? No. You know. It's a lot harder now to argue it. Well, yes. but I, you know, but I also ask people in different countries, mm -hmm. how do you do it? I talked to a gal in Australia. How do you, they don't call it copyright. I interviewed a gal mm -hmm. I'm working on in about another week. Or so I've already done, she's in Portugal. What do you do? Mm -hmm. How do you protect your music? Because it, it's what they don't understand is, and I think this is what is, it's, it's probably funny to think about. You mean they'd steal my music? Of course they will. And they won't pay you. That's the thing. Mm -hmm. Well, why would they want my music? Well, what if you think it's really good? I mean, it's not, you know, and it's like the next thing you hear, I remember <laughs> kind of aggressive, but guy on YouTube who wrote his own music, got a copyright strike from YouTube from a lady that stole her music, his music to use on her Look video. At Look at that. And he yeah. said, what are you doing? I wrote this song. You know, and I did some, I did a gig for a, a, a guy in London. I said, hey, I'll write some music for you. He was a music, uh, race car. So I wrote him some rock tunes and all mm -hmm. that. Next thing I, hey, I got a copyright song. Right on, what is that? What are you talking about? What's a blues tune I wrote for him? Well, blues is one, four, five. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just different one, four, five. Yeah. So I looked it up and they said I was stealing a song written in the fifties and it was a publisher the song was done in Louisiana, but it was owned by a publisher in Sweden, for God's sakes. You yeah, know. it's it's hard now because it's, it seems like, you know, I was actually reading an article. I think it was in Billboard. I was reading it. But, yeah, with social media, the first thing to do is automatically take down the thing. Like, there's not an investigation. Then they no. they just take it down. Yeah, and in some people, they just eliminate your profile altogether. And yeah, they like, won't let Whoa. you do anything. That's right. Like, pump the brakes here. You know, I, I, I got flagged the one time for something on SoundCloud. This is a long time ago. On because, SoundCloud? Really? Yeah, SoundCloud. Yeah. Oh, wow. SoundCloud because I was doing a sound design package for a theater, right? And right. it gets flagged. Hey, this track needs to come down because this artist is using it. And I go, what? I go, there's no way. I This was like, I did this on Ableton. And I think, you know, I it was like one sample on Ableton that was like, shoo, it was like something like that. <laughs> like that was swoosh. it? It was like, it was just Oh, that. so you, so you I, did, you had, it was a sample. Yeah, but it's, you know, that's royalty for you. Oh, yeah, 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 on, I know. You pay, yeah, 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 I know. Okay, So gotcha, I, yeah. I had it there and it was just a little sample, but I had like 13 other original stems that I created onto it. So yeah. I go to that person because they told me who the other artists were. So I go to their profile and what they did was they just took that sample gave it a different name and posted it up by itself, claiming that it was their sample. And so I, uh, I sent an email to SoundCloud and I said, no, 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 this is an Ableton sample. This is the ID number. I gave it everything. And I said, this person you may want to look into. I didn't say like, oh, they're doing it. I just said, you may want to no, look into them, yeah, I understand. but this is what I did. And then they said, uh, they released my track and they said, okay, yeah, you're fine. Like, you know, we removed the flag and stuff like that. So it happens so quickly that, you know, you're like, if you're not on top of it, 
yeah, you know, your whole profile can come down. Everything comes down and then you know ugly. you didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. And you're you never going to get a hold of anybody at, at <laughs> YouTube. That's not going to happen. <laughs> that, and that's never going to happen. And it's like, mm -hmm. I've, I follow some people that are very famous, have two, three million, you know, subscribers. Mm -hmm. And they're always talking about the songs we can <laughs> I can't even play three chords because they'll. That's it. They'll just eliminate the video. It's like, you know. So you got to know all that stuff. But I and and especially the music now. So many people want to do beats, mm -hmm. and it's like they just sample the crap out of stuff. You know, I, people are always selling samples, and I'm going like, can't you write your own stuff? I mean, I I just, you know, that's kind of the way I am. Where did the name? And know it has a meaning for your company come from. <laughs> so um, my maiden name, my last name is Uñiz. Okay. And my married name is Cuyado. So N-I-Z is the last three of my maiden Uñiz. name. And C-O is the first two of Colorado. my married name. Yeah. So, yeah. And then the dog, I, I love dogs. love dogs. <laughs> and so I had a beagle. And you could do everything to this dog. You can, you can paint her nails. You can put glasses and headphones on her and everything. And then I was like, that's a pretty cool logo. Let me uh, do that. So she passed away already. Uh, but she um, was the inspiration behind the logo. Now I have a Jack Russell who's like 100 miles an hour. When somebody calls you or finds out about you, and, and you've had some great exposure, and I'm, I'm sure the pictures that you've taken that are on your website, those were taken at NAM. Um, those were at Nam. The Alan Carson was at Nam. I stood in line for that one. I was like, I bought the book. That was when he was releasing his um, the Art and Science of Sound Recording, mm -hmm. um, the book, and said Alan Parsons going to be here. Um, in fact, one of the the co writers and publishers, uh, I met through another mutual connection at Nam, and mm -hmm. we just started a you know collab. You know just. A, a conversation about what we can do with higher ed and stuff. And he's works with Alan Pars like every day, you know, he's just right there, right next to him. Um, so I, anyway, like I said, I'm a social butterfly. I'm just going to talk to people and if people don't want to talk to me, then okay, I'll go talk to somebody else. So, you know, with <laughs> Alan Parsons, that, that was really cool. That was at NAM. Um, then the other ones with uh, like Kristen Bell and Dina Mazzell, uh, Robert and Kristen uh, Lopez. That was at uh, through the Society of Composers and Lyricists. Was that after the first Frozen come out? Was that, that was second, second, second? Frozen. Okay. Yeah, that was a New York, New York premiere. See, and I had no idea that Kristen yeah. Bell sang. I had no idea. <laughs> I mean, seriously, I followed her career and and always liked her because the kind of the character she plays. Yeah. And we it's funny because no, go, oh, ahead. go ahead. No, no, oh, no. Go I was ahead. just going to say we. Um, that event, I, I was, I was down in Miami. And then when I got, you know, the invitation, I said, Oh man, I gotta go to New York. And it just happened to be that the majority of my contacts that weekend were, or that day, whatever, they weren't in town. And I was like, I'm not paying for a New York hotel <laughs> to stay in New York. So I had a student, an old student who, who lived in uh, Queens. And I said, Hey, <laughs> you want to go watch Frozen and meet Dina Menzel and Kristen Bell? <laughs> She's like, yes. I go, boy, I need a bed. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, that's a good yeah, trade, though. That was a good it trade. It was. Oh, oh, it was great. She she had a ball. Like, she was, you know, talking to Kristen Bell for a long time. But um, 
it was funny because when Kristen Bell walked in and Adina Menzel, like there was this divide between their, I would say like four feet between like everyone on this side and then all the photographers and then they're just standing there, but they're just standing there like wanting to get in or they're like, how do and we And you move? said, I'm just going to go and, and I, say hi. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> what I did. I just, everyone's, I'm like looking around and I go, whatever, I'm going to do it. And I just walked up. I said, hi, you know, when I just like, I'm a big fan of your work. I think you, you did great. You know, enjoy your evening. That's it. Just keep yeah, it uh, Yeah, you can't say anything like, you know. Yeah. No, no, no. I was just like, you know, it was nice to meet you, whatever, all this stuff. Um, and then, you know, later on when they start finish their mingling, like you start talking. But I'm more interested not so much of them, but who works for them. Yeah, sure. Who's behind the scenes? Yeah. Who's their, their assistant? Yeah. So I had a conversation with her assistant. I got to meet some of the choir members. Who recorded on the soundtrack mm-hmm. who were there what was that experience like and just so it's not always about the the icon you know mm-hmm. it, it's more like who else works behind the scene because those are the people that you'll probably have a longer lasting relationship with well and that's and, the business yeah. side of it and i have to ask you as a drummer was there any rock drummers that you said you really liked as- oh i mean that list can go on obviously neil purr oh, yeah. to, we miss know. him what a great go a phenomenal drummer um, I really enjoyed, um, David Garibaldi. Oh, really? Um, yeah. Um, that just, yeah. Um, so many, and then a lot of Latin drummers, Horacio Negro Hernandez, uh, just his trio with Michelle Camilo and just this whole Latin jazz realm. Um, different types, I, styles. Yeah. I mean, talk yeah. about the different Neil Peart <laughs> to yeah. that kind of music is, you know. Yeah, I mean, and some of them, it's like, I mean, Travis Barker, too. Like, you know, I grew yeah. up listening to Blink, so it's, it's like it's fun stuff. But um, Well, I think the, the, the bottom line is, as you know, is you have to have talent. That's number one. Mm-hmm. If you're given the talent, you have to work at it. You know, I sit here. Every time I wait on one of my guests, I have my get one of my guitars sitting here. I never know if something's going to come up and I'm going to start writing a song. But the other part of it is they don't understand. Uh, I, I told one, I asked one young lady, she was a country singer. Do you, and they said, well, I'm going to, I got to reach out. I said, do you book your own gigs? Well, sometimes I said, you don't want to do that. Get somebody else to do it. Because it said it separates you from, it doesn't matter. I mm-hmm. said, I don't care if it's your mother, your next door neighbor, but you shouldn't be calling booking gigs because that kind of puts you, I'm just a I'm just a person traveling around playing my guitar. That's just easy mm. business experience right there. Because if you're trying to promote yourself, you need somebody else to do it for you because it makes you look more professional. One thing that I've seen a lot and seeing gigs here, I did go up to Oklahoma a while back, and um, is is the restaurant? I, mean, oh, I can't remember the country artist who owns it, but it's Old Red. Oh, it's, um, it, it's uh, was it Blake um, Sheldon? No, I think it's Keith. Uh, um, no, Toby Keith, I think. Toby, so one it's of them. It's either Toby or Blake. <laughs> I don't remember which one, yeah. So when Go Eat There was great. There was a singer-songwriter performing. Sounded great. Had her guitar open. Had some CDs, all stuff like that. Yeah. Some dollars changing, all stuff like that. And I'm looking all over the place. And I don't like to insert myself, <laughs> you know, <laughs> But sometimes I'm like, this is when people start complaining, but you're not doing your part to 
help yourself to fix the problem, yeah. then I'm like, okay. You know, I, I went up there after I said, hey, you did great. Um, I would love to give you a tip, but I don't have any cash. Too bad you didn't have a QR code that I could have scanned and give you a virtual tip through PayPal or through Venmo or something. Just a little piece of paper right there. Yeah. And I was willing to give it to her right. there. I was like, hey, I'll tip you right now. You know, but how many times I've seen that? That's, you a, know? that's and, interesting. And it's just like a little piece of paper, people. <laughs> you know, it's just something that connects them to a platform where they can tip you. And now some people, they're like, no, I don't want to have the money trail. You know, to, to, I was like, listen, I'm not going to get into what's legal, what's not legal. But yeah. you can't complain saying like, oh, I don't make a lot of money doing this. I go, most people are willing to tip, especially if they have alcohol in them. <laughs> and then you make it that easy <laughs> with the phone to just go up and scan and do it. And it's like, you just missed out on 20 bucks. But what I was going to say about the QR code is not only, and this is exactly where you're going, not only you might get a tip, but they'll, oh, look, it's your website. Mm -hmm. Hello. So at the end of the day, yeah. all right, so I'm going to ask you the question I always ask everybody. And, and I'm sure you've already thought about this. If your business took off and you were doing that, would you still be a professor? Yes. No matter what, you yeah. still do it because you want to be able to teach people too? It's just, you know, my business could take off, but um, my why, what keeps me grounded is is the service aspect. And if now I am being like, I'm shutting out one market because I'm making a lot of money in this one. Now, whether you're talking about like full time and, you know, no, no, I understand, like man. that's different, but in the sense of staying within the realm of academia, yes, because m my vision at some point would be, if we can just really kind of work and I'm kind of doing some research on it now. And um, the numbers have been pretty interesting um, on the high end of how many students said, like, if you had the option in high school to take a music business class or have a module, like a three week module on music business in your music curriculum, would you, you know, how do you feel about that? And the numbers, yeah, you know, you're leaning towards 78% are either on this, Yes, absolutely. It should be music elective or at least a module in there. So how can we start, you know, reevaluating how we're preparing our musicians for success and not so much on the competition aspect of it, which is fine. You want to compete. That's cool. But if you're just performing to compete, but you're not teaching to perform, to set up for success as a career beyond, then, you know, this is why you see a lot of students drop out. They don't want to study music because they don't see any viability to it. But that's not true. And so that's that's where my my, you know, um, my passion is really like we need to reevaluate how we're doing music education on that aspect. And some people don't like it, but I'm I'm like the reality is you're making money. So you have to learn the business somehow. So let's let's make it fair across the board, especially for me, where I grew up in, you know, Title One schools. Or you didn't hear about interlocking or summer music camps or oh, all this no. stuff that's out there. Yeah. You didn't hear no. about that. No, they didn't and, ever have it. Yeah. You know, you're not going to see that. So then you wonder, well, who gets the edge? And it's kind of like, well, I'm not saying that I have to live in this socioeconomic status my whole mm. life. I've made my way out of it. I grew up in the most concentrated part of, of Miami, the co most concentrated city of Hispanics in the nation. Uh, right there, you know, 
based on the area. And so now you got like this mix of culture and, and language and all that. And just, it, it was interesting. Again, growing up in it, you're just used to it. But then you you come out and you move around and you start talking to the play. You're like, wow, man, I didn't know this existed. I didn't know that. So <laughs> <laughs> it's like, there's so much to do out there. You know, so it's I'm funny. Go get it. Uh, that's it. So appreciate it. My pleasure. And have a great afternoon. All right. Thank you. You take too. care of yourself. Thank you for your time. I appreciate okay. it. See you. No, thank you. Bye. Right, bye. Thanks for listening to the Trout Show. For more information, visit our website at thetroutshow.com. Until next time, see ya.